Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Coming up in this week's Science Revolution, stay tuned for an in-depth show on the new coronavirus and pandemics. Some of the other topics we cover, if Americans die in a pandemic, why you could blame the GOP. Could climate change thaw cause a pandemic? And the economics of a pandemic. Plus Dr. Ezekiel Zeke Emanuel on how we deal with a potential pandemic when so many people don't have health care. Stay tuned. So there's this virus coming out of a wild animal market in Wuhan, China a city of 10 million people, and it has spread literally all around the world. We were just discussing, is it in South America and Africa yet? I'm not certain about those two continents, but I think it's just a matter of time. This thing is moving around. There's two considerations here, and I'll get to the second in a few minutes, which is that Wuhan is kind of the Detroit of China. I want to get to the consequences and impact of that. But the first is that if a possible pandemic, in other words, we have five cases of this confirmed now in the United States. And one of the people who died in China day before yesterday was one of the doctors in one of the hospitals that's treating these folks. Here we are, the United States of America supposedly the strongest, richest, most powerful country in the world. In fact, you know, it looks like China is a little richer than we are, and their middle class is certainly much larger than ours, and et cetera. But, but here we are, you know, number one, and we are literally the only developed country in the world without a coherent national health care system and infrastructure. We have... 20-some-odd million Americans who have absolutely no health insurance. We have over 100 million Americans. And frankly, I think you could make the argument that it's probably closer to 200 million Americans, particularly if you include the one-third of seniors who are on Medicare Advantage using privatized, for-profit health insurance rather than Medicare, that probably two-thirds of us are underinsured. Our insurance will crap out if we get really sick. And we're looking at a pandemic? I mean, this is the strongest argument that can be made for Medicare for all. A national single-payer health care system. Like Canada has. Like France has. Like Germany has. Like Spain has. Like, like, I mean, fill in the blanks, right? Like every developed country in the world has a national health care system, except the United States. Now, President Obama tried to give us a national health care system. It was imperfect. It relied on the profit motive. It relied on, you know, heavily subsidizing the health insurance industry. But, you know, President Obama tried. I mean, this was, you know, a mid-step, God bless him, with Obamacare. 
and it would have covered everybody in America. It would have done it twice the expense of any other country in the world, with most of the profits going to the health insurance industry and the for-profit hospitals, but it would have worked. But John Roberts and four other conservatives on the Supreme Court blew a hole in the side of that, saying that Republican-controlled states could opt out of Medicaid expansion. And as a consequence of that, we've got tens of millions of people in this country with literally no health insurance and the possibility of a pandemic coming to our shores. And what do people who don't have health insurance or who are underinsured, who have $5,000 deductibles and they're that 50% of Americans who could not survive a $500 expense, what do they do when they get sick? They stay home. They're facing an economic hard times, and most of them are. We're talking, you know, the bottom half of America economically. If they don't go to work, they probably don't get paid because they're hourly rather than salaried employees, or they don't have sick time or sick days, or both. And so, you know, they go to work and they spread contagious diseases. You know, we got 35,000 Americans who die every year from the flu, which is exacerbated by this exact same situation. The cook or the busboy or the person hauling plates around in the restaurant where you're going to eat this week, almost certainly does not have health insurance. And if that person has the flu or has a virus or has anything and sneezes on their hands or sneezes on your plate, you wouldn't even know it. And boom, we're getting sick just from going out to dinner. Every other country in the world has figured out that a national health care system is part of their national security infrastructure. And in fact, this is how it was presented by Franklin Roosevelt, for God's sake, when he proposed it back in the 1930s. By Harry Truman, when he proposed it in the 1940s. By Lyndon Johnson, when he proposed it in the 1960s. The Republican opposition to a national health care system literally goes back a half a century. Or more. I mean, you know, it goes back to the 30s. That's nearly a century. And a national health care system, first of all, it would cut our health care bill in half. We pay twice as much as Canada pays, and you don't see sick people in Canada as a result of their health care system. You don't see a situation in Canada where people go to work and spread diseases or don't go to the doctor and get sicker and sicker and, and infect more and more people because they can't afford to go to the doctor. You just don't see it in Canada. We have that here in the United States right now. Odds are the person sitting next to you on the bus or the the Uber driver driving your car, particularly if they're in the early stages of an infection when they're contagious, but they're not all that symptomatic, hasn't gone to the doctor, won't go to the doctor because they can't afford it. This this is in all probability going to turn into a worldwide battle. China is building two hospitals right now, and it's going to take them three weeks to put these hospitals up around the city of Wuhan. Franklin Roosevelt, in his second Bill of Rights, said health care should be a right. He also said education, including college, should be a right. Housing should be a right, and decent pay in your work 
And in fact, the presence of a job should be a right. If the capitalist system, if our economic system fails to provide a job at all, or fails to provide a job that pays well, if it fails to provide a job that pays well, we're going to change the rules of the game so that employers have to pay well. And if there is no job, the government will create one. That was what the WPA and the CCC and all these other programs, the National Reconstruction Administration, which the Supreme Court struck down in the early 1930s. It's what led to FDR's court packing scheme. That's what those things were all about. I mean, this is not rocket science. This is straightforward stuff. And it's time, in my opinion, for all of us and for the Democrats. I mean, this is a a marvelous opportunity for the Democrats who support a national single-payer health care system. Even if it's a watered-down one, like Buttigieg's. For Democrats who support a national health care system of any sort, but the one that actually covers everybody, like Obamacare was intended to do, to say, this isn't just about saving a trillion dollars a year. This isn't just about making sure that people have the right to get health care when they're sick, just, you know, a basic human right. This is also about the security of the United States, the national security of the United States. If Americans die in a pandemic, blame the GOP. Because they have been fighting this for 90 years. Most Americans have no idea what or even where Wuhan, China is. Wuhan is the Detroit of China. If you think of Detroit, not in today's process, you know, post-NAFTA and post-WTO and all that stuff, but think of Detroit before the Clinton presidency, before 1992. Detroit was the epicenter of manufacturing in the United States. And echoing out from Detroit, I mean, there were millions of people in Detroit who worked in manufacturing. They built mostly cars, but they built lots of stuff in Detroit. They built refrigerators in Detroit. They built air conditioning units in Detroit. They built TV sets in Detroit. They built all kinds of stuff. Jerry Schneiderman and I used to own a company, Langley St. Clair Instrumentation Systems, back in the 80s. We sold picture tubes for TRS-80 Model 3s and other. This was early computer days, right? This was in the 80s. Our picture tubes, about half of them were manufactured in Detroit. Detroit made things. Now, granted, most of those jobs have now gone to China. And where have they gone in China? Wuhan. Wuhan is the industrial epicenter of China. And just like, you know, Detroit made things and draw a 500 mile circle around Detroit. And you would have all these cities in Michigan, in Ohio, in Indiana, where there were secondary manufacturing facilities where they were making car radios and steering wheel assemblies and airbags. And, you know, the car radios are now made in China. The steering wheel assemblies are now made in Mexico. The airbags are now made in Japan, actually. We used to make all that stuff in the cities around Detroit. And that's how, so if you think of Detroit in 1991, that's how Wuhan, China is right now. Okay, got that clear in your brain? Now, the question, what if Wuhan shut down? What if it just shut down? What if Detroit shut down in 1991? What would that do to the U.S. economy? I'm telling you, get ready. There's some big stuff coming. But that's the smallest of the concerns. The larger concern 
is that, you know, this virus gets out and it gets around the world or another virus gets out. For example, the flu. I mean, one of the things that we're learning is that climate change is making for shorter winters, which you would think, since the flu season in the northern hemisphere is during the winter, you would think that would mean a shorter flu season. No, it actually turns out in tropical climates, you've got flu year-round. And apparently there's like a, this tipping point where when your summers become a certain length, you end up with flu year-round. And if you have flu year-round, according to Robert Schooley, who an infectious disease specialist, who is the editor of the journal Clinical Infectious Diseases, he says... It would not be surprising to see a year-round influenza zone expand as the world warms. A warm climate promotes sustained transmission of the flu as opposed to seasonal outbreaks, so we might get flu year-round. Now, what does that mean? Well, currently, this is from an article from Nexus Media by Marlene Simmons. Currently in the United States, the virus evolves for several months during the winter and stops evolving in the spring. Mutations of the flu virus. If the virus continues changing year-round, we could begin to see more dangerous forms of influenza. Isn't that wonderful? They just sawed into some 15,000-year-old glacier ice that they got from the Chinese region of Tibet, these scientists. And what did they find? 33 groups of virus genuses. Now, keep in mind, the species is the smallest subset. So this is, these are whole families, essentially, not using literally that word in the scientific meaning. Groups of viruses, 28 of which were previously unknown to science. The researchers warn that in a worst-case scenario, one or more of these viruses... As one Twitter user said, we've opened up a Pandora's box with climate change. One or more of these viruses might be a human pathogen or a mammalian pathogen that could mutate to be a human pathogen like this coronavirus did in China. Because the permafrost is melting all over the world, Siberia is mostly permafrost, this 75-year-old dead reindeer bubbled up to the surface, and it could have easily have been a 7,500-year-old, because most of the permafrost is 10,000 years old, that had died of anthrax. Now, this part of the world hadn't seen anthrax since 1941. There hadn't been an anthrax outbreak. But 72 nomadic herders, 41 children were hospitalized. A 12-year-old died because this reindeer floated up to the surface, this dead reindeer. And down the road in Siberia, last year, they discovered in a thawed, in thawed-out permafrost a 30,000-year-old giant virus, in other words, a, a more sophisticated, more modern kind of virus, 30,000 years old, that was still able to infect bacteria or single-celled organisms, amoebas, excuse me. 30,000-year-old virus, still contagious. 22.5% of the Northern Hemisphere is permafrost. 50% of Canada's landmass. And it is melting right now. Dr. Richard Dixon points out that in some of the melting in Northern Europe, it has unearthed bodies, human bodies, that died from the Spanish flu in 1918. In another place, and I'm sorry, I don't have the exact city, it's just a reference to it. Fragments of smallpox have been found. 
So ancient diseases or older diseases coming back to haunt us as a consequence of climate change. And in the face of this, the United States is the only country in the world without a national health care system to deal with these potential threats. How insane is that, scientifically speaking, or even just thoughtfully speaking? Sponsoring the interview this week is New Leaf Natural CBD Oil. Boy, with all this impeachment stuff and Trump treason flying around, you know, I, I have been doubling my CBD oil dose. I love CBD oil. It doesn't get you high, it, but it, and it's non-toxic, but it's a potent pain reliever and anti, or it has potent pain relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. I think it's the proper way to say that. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. NU Leaf Natural CBD oil is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, has no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's NUleafnaturals.com, and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, it's spelled T-H-O-M. Go to NUleafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, NewLeafNaturals.com. That's NewLeafNaturals.com. That's NUleafnaturals.com. Code Tom. It's spelled T-H-O-M. NewLeafNaturals.com. On the line with us is Dr. Zeke Emanuel. He's an oncologist and bioethicist, the senior fellow of the Center for American Progress, currently the vice provost of global initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania and the chair of the Department of Medical Ethics and Health Policy. EzekielEmanuel.com is his website. Each new coronavirus case seems to be infecting an average of 2.5 people. The seasonal flu has a mortality rate of around one-tenth of one percent. This seems to be around three percent. And it has now spread to 18 countries. And the World Health Organization has called a meeting of its emergency committee Thursday to discuss this. Most troubling is the case of a 10-year-old boy who was diagnosed with the Wuhan coronavirus and showed no symptoms. His family was diagnosed. They were quite sick, his, both his parents. This uh, report shows that after his parents insisted he was tested, his doctor said he was shedding virus without symptoms. This was published in the Lancet, British medical journal. And Germany just reported the first confirmed person-to-person transmission of an asymptomatic person. A woman came from China, attended a business meeting there, and one of the people in that meeting, and she was completely asymptomatic, one of the people in that meeting is now infected with this. And apparently a lot of the people who actually have the infection prior to their becoming symptomatic have no fever whatsoever. What do we know about this beyond what I've said, and did I say anything that's wrong? Now, so far you've said everything that's right. I do think there is a worrisome factor that you can spread this while being asymptomatic, and that does make it harder to screen people and know who should be quarantined or restricted access. Is that different Um, from the common cold and the flu? Common cold and the flu, as you correctly point out, have a much lower mortality index. Many infectious diseases, you are asymptomatic for a while, and you can spread it in that asymptomatic phase. I do think we need to put this somewhat into context. Likely to spread, it's going to get worse before it gets better, and we know that there are going to be people who unfortunately die from this, but is this likely to break out into some major pandemic around the world? Unlikely. We're likely to be able to contain it. Obviously, it would have been better had we done some more containment earlier on and the Chinese been a little more open 
earlier on, but these kind of things are often hard to figure out what the right measure is, especially when you don't know how severe it's going to be right at the start. But I would put in context, you know, we have tens of thousands of people in the United States who die every year from the flu. We have a vaccine, and yet we struggle to get 50% of the adult population to get vaccinated. Right, um, and, and 35,000 uh, people. Whatever this is, yeah, whatever this coronavirus is, it's very, 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 very unlikely to be that severe. And yet our response, because it's new and novel, tends to be much more histrionic, I think, than it is you live with the flu, it's just the flu. Well, it is just the flu, but it also kills a lot of people. It may not kill it at the same high rate, but it does happen to kill tens of thousands of Americans, and your chance of getting it from colleagues are low. And again, you know, these viruses, droplets, getting them on your hands, taking your hands and bringing it to your face and getting yourself infected, that's the common path. So there are things we can do to try to prevent transmission. Yeah. There was a a fascinating op-ed in the Washington Post, I believe it was, by an ER doc who was living in Beijing during the SARS outbreak. And she kept her kids in the public school, and they started this policy of everybody wash your hands all the time, because apparently the transmission of coronaviruses like SARS and and this new one, and the common cold for that matter, isn't so much through the air like the influenza is. You know, when the air is very dry, the flu virus floats around in the air for a while. But apparently it's touching surfaces, More. and then, like you said, touching your face or your, or your mouth or nose. Yeah. She said that they started just rigorously washing their hands, uh, semi-obsessively, and the result was that not only did nobody get SARS, even though there was one case right where she lived, nobody got SARS. But in addition to that, the rate of common colds in this school just collapsed. If we don't need face masks. We need to wash our hands. Is that the bottom line here? Assuming that it gets here? We need to be more scrupulous about it. First of all, we should not be hysterical that every person with a fever or every person who's been to China has this. And I think a little rationality. China is a country of 1.4 billion people, and we're talking about, say, four or 5,000 people documented. Say this rate is even 100 times that. We're talking four or 500,000 people, Right. That's 0.01% or 0.03% of the entire Chinese population. It's a tiny, tiny amount. Now, that doesn't mean we should put our guard down. That doesn't mean we shouldn't worry about this and have our healthcare health experts out there. But we should do the rational thing. And we know that washing your hands and not putting your hands on your face as frequently as we do, very important to control these kinds of infections. Tone down the hysterical response and tone up the rational response. And by the way, if you haven't gotten the flu vaccine, that would be a good thing, too. Rear Admiral Timothy Zimmer was the senior director for global health security and biodefense at the National Security Council. He was a great man. He was put in a place after the Ebola thing. You know, he was basically in charge of America's response to epidemic diseases. He was fired or removed from his office by John Bolton, actually, and has not been replaced. So we have nobody in charge of epidemic responses in the White House right now. And we are the only developed country in the entire world that does not have a national health care infrastructure, national health care system. How vulnerable do those two factors make us? Well, I actually recommended Tim Zimmer for his job in the White House uh, with President Trump because I thought he was a tremendous man. He ran malaria response before that. And it is a mistake not to have someone in the White House 
things come up under the Obama administration. We had H1N1 in the early years, 2009, 2010, that we had to respond to, and you need someone who can coordinate that response and get our best people. Fortunately, the United States does have the CDC very competent. It does have Tony Fauci and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. Again, competent response. It would be better to have it coordinated centrally at the White House that can talk to every agency and private industry as we need them to respond to this. But we already have people working on a vaccine. We do have a reasonably good infrastructure. As you say, not having universal health care coverage probably impedes our response. God forbid we have well, a pandemic. That, that, that was my concern. I mean, or of the flu. Right. We've and, got we've uh, got 30 million know. people who are uninsured and we've got at least 150 million people who postpone going to the doctor because they're concerned about the cost, the expense of a copay. You and I are in heated agreement about this problem. Yeah. OK. That, that is a gap in our ability to respond. And this is unlikely to be a major issue, this coronavirus. But our ability to respond to some pandemic or some issue is seriously impeded when people are worried, oh, maybe I won't go to the doctor because I have symptoms, but I can't afford to show up at the urgent care, the primary care doctor, or the emergency room. That is not a good place for us to be. Yeah. Amen. Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, great talking with you once again. That's all for this week's Science Revolution. You can find the video portions of the Science Revolution on YouTube and check out our Facebook page. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.